August 20th, it's our two-year anniversary as a church. Okay, it's going to be fun. Okay, so uh, we're going to have a potluck again, uh, you know, so we're going to let our kind of inner Baptist out and have a potluck that day, have some barbecue as well. And so we're only doing a 1030 service that day because we all want to eat lunch, so there's, you're not going to come to the 915 anyway, right? And so 1030 only, we'll pack it out, and so uh, put in your calendar, tell your friends, uh, second anniversary, we're becoming a toddler, okay, right before your eyes, uh, August 20th. 10.30, and all God's people said, okay, Luke chapter 18. Um, so I'll give you some context, I guess. So we're going to study together today the rich, young ruler. Okay, you heard of this guy? He, uh, so actually, Luke doesn't even bother to tell us, include the detail that he was young, but Matthew tells us that. So we know that he was rich, and he was young, and he was powerful, and so he kind of had it all. He wasn't just old and rich. He wasn't lo- like young and broke. He wasn't just powerful. He had it all. Okay, the, the text today says he was extremely rich. He still had his youth, so he had a long time to enjoy all this, enjoy this status, enjoy this stuff. And then he was a ruler, so he had a ton of Twitter followers. Everybody had his name on their VIP list. He was the man, okay? But he still lacked something that he really, really needed. Uh, the homie Britney Spears said, now I'm stronger than yesterday. I thought you might sing it. Now it's nothing but my way. And that's great. That's a great anthem. We've sung it together in the car, but the issue becomes, Brittany, from where is your strength coming, right? Is your strength coming from within or from source, from some source like money or fame? Because all those sources are not going to be enough, okay? They're not sustainable sources of strength. What we're going to see today with the rich, young ruler, he was drawing strength from all of these places that will eventually uh, run out, okay? That sources of strength that will be depleted. And, and you've heard it said, you only live once, so make it count. Follow your passions, indulge your desires, prioritize your own happiness above everything else. You deserve it all, so don't settle for anything less. You heard it said, be true to yourself. You do you. Don't let anybody tell you how to live. You're the author of your own story. And the rich young ruler's like, say less, okay? He's young, so I figured. He's like, check, check, done. I can do all of that, okay? I, I can do me. And what he really wants to do is add God to his life. What he really wants is for God to enhance his already great life. Let's see how that goes. Verse 18 of Luke 18. And the rich young ruler asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said back to him, Why do you call me good? Nobody's good except God alone. Young man, you know the commandments. Don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And the rich young ruler is like, Man, I've kept all that since student ministry. I've got it. And then Jesus, when he heard this, Jesus said back to the young man, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard these things, the rich young man became very sad for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he'd become sad, said, how difficult it is. For those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the people hearing it said, well, then who in the world can be saved if this guy can't? And Jesus said, what's impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter, of course, said, see, Lord, we've left our homes. We've done all this to follow you. And Jesus, he didn't rebuke him. He said, truly, Peter, I tell you, 
All of you, there's no one of you who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children sacrificed for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Look at the rich young ruler's question again in verse 18. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What a loaded question, right? And no more important question could ever be considered. You know, really, uh, nowadays, like, eternity has kind of been lost a little bit, like, but forever exists. A lot of times that's kind of, even when we sing about forever and ever, amen, we're kind of talking about this life. I'm going to love you forever, like, for now, right? And, you know, I told our city group uh, a couple of weeks ago, I've kind of been consumed with the afterlife this year. I've read, like, a stack of books by respected scholars to hear what they say on the Bible, to hear what they say from the Bible about it. It's this all-consuming thing for me this year. And so what we see as the rich young ruler brings up this idea of eternity, what's, what's very clear from beginning to end of the Scripture is forever exists. And especially as we're kind of a young congregation, we, it can get lost on us, the younger you are, that eternity exists, but it certainly does. We each have a destination after this life. And the Bible is crystal clear that people who follow Jesus spend forever with Him, and people who are apart from God, who die apart from Christ, will be separated from God, is the word that he uses over and over. So again, verse 18, this rich young ruler comes with almost the right question. Like he almost asked the right thing. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And it's a revealing question. Not, he doesn't ask, and whom should I trust? Hey, uh, Jesus, what kind of person does God forgive or accept? That's not what he asked, okay? He says, what must I do to get this thing done, right? His question reveals a lot of ideas and really assumptions of what the answer might be. Really, his question shows what sort of answer that he's going to find acceptable. And we believe that this man existed. Like he, this wasn't a parable like we've looked at the past couple of weeks, but it's a, it's a real person who spoke this real question to Jesus. I was in Starbucks last Monday writing a sermon, kind of studying everything, which I, I'm actually going to do more because it was a very noteworthy thing in Starbucks last Monday. For whatever reason, I was kind of obviously writing a sermon. I got my Bible out, the laptop. Uh, a notebook and like a stack of commentaries that say Luke. So it's like kind of obvious what I'm doing. And, you know, it was very interesting to people. One guy stopped, he teaches a Bible class at his church. And so he uh, wanted to talk theology. That was great. One young lady, uh, she grew up in church and she was kind of surprised that people still do this. <laughs> she, was, she was very kind, very nice, but like people still write sermons and go to church. Okay, that's interesting. And then I was like, it is in a YMCA and that was very confusing. But, uh, and then one young man just kind of wanted to disagree with me, okay? He was, he was not rude or anything. Uh, and we can disagree and, and still be friends, that's great. But he very clearly wanted to disagree. And so uh, he grabbed his coffee and he walked by me and he sees my whole get up that I'm kind of clearly writing a sermon. And he goes, are, are you like a pastor? I was like, yeah, 9.15, 10.30 this Sunday, YMCA, come check us out. And he goes, no, no, are you like a fundamentalist? Which is a, a striking thing to be asked in the wild, to be honest uh, and I go, no. Uh, so I, I believe, our church believes that the Bible is totally true. It is without error. But a fundamentalist believes that their interpretation is without error. And there's, I'm sure there's some things that I've gotten wrong in my interpretation, but I believe the Bible is perfectly true. And he goes, well, what if I told you that I have a boyfriend and a girlfriend and we all live together? I was like, you're free to live as you want. Do you have a specific question? You know, what question might you have? And he goes, well, would I be welcome at your church? Of course, man. Of course you're welcome at our church. And because clarity is kindness, I continued and said, 
But to answer your question more directly, we believe at our church, as, as the scripture teaches, that it's one man and one woman in a marriage for a lifetime. And then I said, and I've said this with people before, I said, but if I'm you, if I'm trying to figure out who God is, I wouldn't start with who I want to sleep with. I would start with, did Jesus rise from the dead? And then kind of work from there. And so like the rich young ruler, he's starting at the wrong point, right? Okay. And he received it very well, actually. And I gave him my cell phone number, invited him again. And so maybe he'll come, but it's the wrong starting point. And much like the rich young ruler, if we have conditions that God must meet, so that then we think that he's any good. The question's more than a question, right? It's revealing a worldview. The rich young ruler believes he can accomplish enough to impress God, right? He asks, what do I need to do to get eternal life? And of course, we know the day and age that we live, people want to state their demands and, let, and then let God impress them. And there's many churches that are happy to uh, you know, accommodate to those culture, cultural demands. But the deal is, God gets to set the terms. Almighty God makes the plan. I don't enlist God to serve in my kingdom. <laughs> okay, I serve in God's kingdom. He invites me to serve in his kingdom. The rich young ruler is accustomed to dictating how the conversation goes very clearly. But here he needs to yield. He needs to yield. Look at Jesus' response in verse 19. Jesus said, well, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Of course, Jesus is not saying, I'm not God. He's trying to show the man where his, where his assumptions logically conclude. He's saying, okay, you call me good, only God is good, so that means I'm God. He's leading the man uh, toward, so, um, so that's our first observation today. To inherit eternal life, I must be clear on Jesus, okay? The rich young ruler has to think that Jesus is more than just a sharp teacher, or a good teacher. He has to acknowledge that Jesus is God himself. You don't have to know everything about the Bible or memorize the Bible to acknowledge that Jesus is the only way, but to, be, to inherit eternal life, we've got to be clear on Jesus. He's the only way. He's God's son. He's the Messiah. Look at verse 20. Jesus continues. Jesus is like, man, young man, you, you know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness and honor your father. And mother, and the rich young, so, so Jesus there, he's like, bud, you know the commandments. And then he lists commandments number seven, six, eight, nine, and five of the Ten Commandments. What just happened? Why didn't Jesus start with number one? When you list something, you typically, so, what, why, so the first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. That's commandment number one. But Jesus lists numbers five through nine. So the rich young ruler's like, check, check. I'm, I've been killing that my whole since I was a young man. I, I've been doing that. And then Jesus reveals what's really going on in the young man's heart, verse 22. Uh, Jesus said, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. Jesus is like, you're doing pretty good on commandments five through nine, but what about number one? Okay, young man, there's a higher love in your heart than God. You love money, my guy. Okay, you're trusting in that money for protection and security and fulfillment that only God can give you. So leave that hollow God and follow me. I'll show you the way. I'll show you what life is really all about. Jesus is inviting this guy away from temporary pleasures that prove to be hollow and is going, there's a better way and it's me. Follow me. The rich young ruler thought he had it all. Uh, but Jesus says there's something you still lack and, and we can look all across the world for these things that we still like. We can try to uh, have enough money and have enough pleasures and have enough followers and all these kinds of things. And so uh, the young man hears the answer 
to the most important question from the most important person, but he can't receive it. Uh, the deceitfulness of his riches blind him. He chose, and so he, he looks at Jesus, and then he looks at his possessions and power, and he goes, I think I'll go. And it made him really sad, right? And, and so money's not bad, okay? Uh, it, it just can't give you what you hope it can. It can't ever deliver for this young man and for us what we hope that it can. That's why the scripture says, for the love of money is the root of all kind of evil. It's the love of money. Being rich is not wrong, okay? But trusting in that money and placing it, trusting in that money and placing it above God will lead us down a path of sadness and despair. It will, okay? Uh, so uh, this man was extremely rich or ballin', I think the kids say. And so he just couldn't imagine giving all of it away. Notice that Jesus didn't say, okay, so you got to tithe now. He didn't say, you got to give 50% of everything you got. Jesus said, man, sell your house, give away your pillow, you got to sell your car, everything. Okay, and so this man's reaction really dramatizes the life choice that so many people today, you know, will look at our possessions and pleasures, look at Jesus, and then choose the temporary pleasures of this world. And so people walk around, they walk away and walk around sad and can't even really explain why. We see this happening kind of all around us, possessions and pleasures don't really satisfy them anymore. Even though they're going to the next level and next level and next level, it's just not completing and doing what we hope it'll do, but we still can't seem to let go, right? Which is how you know something is an idol. We're sad with it, but we got to have it. Okay, so, and notice today in Luke 18 as well, Jesus is sincere in his offer, okay? He really, really wants this young man to leave the shackles that he's going in, leave the shackles of hoping in the things of this world, and come into the kingdom of God. Jesus is really offering a relationship. He's really offering entrance into God's kingdom, but the rich young man resists, you see, right? Look at verse 23 again. But when the rich young man heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. He went away sad. He not only had wealth, the wealth had him, right? And so he was rich in possessions, but impoverished in his soul. And so Jesus was calling this young man toward the kind of faith that relinquishes this life in exchange for eternal life. Jesus requires that we lay down the things of this world so that we might have Christ, which is our second observation today. To inherit eternal life, I must lay down the things of this world so that I can have Jesus. Jesus displaces the treasures of this world so that he alone can be obeyed and adored and worshiped. And he does this because he loves us. <laughs> Not because, you know, uh, what he's offering Life with him is infinitely better than anything this world offers, more freeing than anything this world offers. Again, just picture, this man is speaking with the Son of God. He's speaking with the Messiah. This is like one of those like party questions when somebody's like, if you could ask one person in all of history one question, who and what would it be? Some of us would say, if I could ask one person one question, I would ask Jesus about the afterlife. And this guy gets to do it. He's like actually living that out, but he can't receive it. Look at verses 24 and 25 again. Jesus, seeing that he'd become sad, said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Of course, Jesus is speaking in hyperbole. He does this a lot. He's not saying that once a, a, a person reaches a certain level of wealth that, you know, I'm done with them. Once you're a billionaire, and you, you know, I, I can't, you know, it's literally impossible. Okay, that's not it. But I don't know. I mean, maybe our desire to be rich isn't the purest desire. Okay, man, maybe just maybe our desire to have more might actually make us less happy. 
We see, so because as we sit here in the richest country in the world, maybe we should just kind of face that head on a little bit this morning. Um, do I love money? Do you love money? I've, I've shared this before. I've had everything confessed to me in 20 years of ministry, but not once has somebody confessed greed to me, even though it's a top two idol and competitor for our heart in Fort Worth, Texas. It's really hard to see in ourselves. It's really hard to see in ourselves. So I think the best way to gauge, uh, you know, if you love money or not, is how much you're freely and happily given away. Freely and happily are the New Testament words for giving away. And if you think that I'm just bringing that up for some kind of self-serving reason, give it somewhere else. Okay, I mean that. Okay, first up is your heart. Okay, let's look at your heart and let's, let's, get, let's get you and Jesus right and then we can talk about giving to the church later on. Evaluate your giving. The rich young ruler walks away sad and Jesus is sad for him. You know, Jesus doesn't then thunder down condemnation from heaven. He passionately, compassionately points out that it's, that it's so hard for rich people to enter his kingdom. You know, I used to read verse 24 like Jesus said it with some sauce. Like he, you know, he asked the young man to, you know, make the decision, and then he, the young man says no, and then Jesus is like, he turns to the crowd, and he's like, rich people, am I right? That's kind of how I used to read it, but that's not his tone. He's like, young man, I know it's difficult to leave all this behind. I, I get it. All the pleasures and all the temptations that are around you, but please come follow me. Come with me. Let me show you how life works. And to us today, Jesus is compassionately saying, y'all, please leave your stress. Leave trusting yourself. Leave your way and follow Jesus. So that's our third observation from the text this morning. To inherit eternal life, I must submit to Jesus. Not a very 2023 word. I must submit to Jesus. And look at how they reacted, the crowd reacted in verse 26. They're like, but who can be saved? If this guy can't be saved, who in the world can be. So uh, in that day, you know, when you're rich, you have this ease and access to everything you want in the world. And they thought that if you, if you had that kind of ease and access in this world, you must in the next. You must, you know, God must really favor you if you have riches was the common way to think in that day. And so they're like, wait, that guy can't be saved? Then who in the world can be? See what they're saying? Then verse 27. And Jesus said, but what's impossible with man is possible with God. Meaning, it is impossible for a rich man to chase himself and, and not look to status and wealth, but I can change anybody, God says. The, the offender can be forgiven. The offense can be removed. The accused can be pardoned. The lost child can be welcomed home. And again, not just save anybody, he can change anybody. He can change you. You ever like, you're like, I'm going to change. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. It's really going to happen this time. And then 11 o'clock that night, you're sitting on the couch eating chips and queso, and you skipped your workout that morning. Okay, It's hard to really, so maybe there's a sinful habit that you have that 100 times you've gone, no more. I'm never going to, and then it keeps knocking you down. Maybe what you need to hear today is keep going. You're going to have setbacks. Jesus can change you, and it's going to take a while. Okay, keep going. You don't yell at a bud because it isn't a flower yet. You water it and you wait. Okay, keep going. Keep saying yes to Jesus over and over. Verses 28 to 30 once more. And Peter, of course, said, Jesus, see, we've left our homes and we followed you. Look, Jesus, I'm killing it. But Jesus didn't rebuke him. He said, truly, I tell you, Anybody who has left their house or sacrificed and, you know, left their wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, uh, who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. So 
In verse 30, you know, Jesus isn't talking about if you sacrifice for God, if you obey God, you get a bigger mansion in heaven, you get like a wing added if you take a big risk for God. He's not saying that. He's not saying that you have a higher chance of winning the Powerball if you obey God, okay? He's promising you exponential peace, a growing and residual joy. You'll, quote, receive many times more now and in eternity what this world could never offer, um, Eugene Peterson says, joy is what God gives, not what we work up. So as we take him at his word, as we relinquish control, as we yield, we receive. 